Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Before we get into the message, I share this with you. This lady said that her pastor had come to visit her the other day, and he said, Ma'am, at your advanced age, uh, you need to be thinking quite often about the, well, I hate to say it, but about the hereafter. And she said, Oh, Pastor, I I already do. I, I think about the hereafter all the time. And he said, You do? And she said, Yes, I do. She said, No matter where I am, in the living room, upstairs, in the kitchen, or down in the basement, I'm always asking myself, now, what am I here after? (laughs) What am I here after? No, what we want to talk about this afternoon or this evening is uh, right now. And I'm calling this the importance of crisis leadership. The importance of crisis leadership. Leadership is a big topic in the Bible. It's an important topic. Uh, Leadership never becomes more important than in a crisis. Let me illustrate Let's say our church family, we all get shipwrecked on some deserted island. And, uh, you know, it's a plentiful island. We make huts and we got coconuts and we're doing good. Um, We're living the life. We're out in the sun. Leadership really isn't all that important. But we look out on the horizon one day and we see these canoes filled with these natives that are just have evil intent and going to do us harm. Now, at that moment of crisis, leadership becomes critical. During a crisis, leadership becomes critical. Right now, the natives are on the horizon and they're attacking, and it's more important than ever that, criti- that leadership be proper. Uh, in our crisis, I've never seen so much competent and at the same time incompetent leadership because when you put the tea bag in the hot water, what's in it comes out. And in some leaders, we're seeing fantastic, inspiring, caring leadership. In other leaders, we are seeing nothing more than incompetent leadership. You've probably, like me, heard this phrase pretty much all your life, or this quote all your life. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I've known that all my life, and I, as a leader, I, I understand the significance of that statement, but never more so than now. How we're doing is going to rise to a degree, or it's going to fall on leadership. Leaders were, were important to the Lord. And in the Bible, we see great leaders, and we see horrible leaders. How important is competent leadership? Let me give you an example. During the Revolutionary War, one of my great heroes of all time is George Washington. You talk about an inspiring man. You talk about a compassionate leader and a motivational leader and a wise leader. His competent leadership inspired, motivated, and was instrumental in in us having the nation that we have today. That's an example of very competent leadership. But think about incompetent leadership. I think about another general whose name you probably know as well. General George, not Washington, but Armstrong Custer. 
he led his men to devastation. He led his men to a massacre. And if you study him, you will see that he was ego-driven. He designed his own officer's uniform to have all the flourishes that he wanted. He had felt slighted before, so he was out to prove something. And he led his men to one of the worst massacres in American history. The men that were following Washington were in a far better position than the men that were following Custer. Leadership is important. It makes all the difference in the world whether we are following competent or incompetent leaders, whether they're political leaders at the local, state, national level, whether they're military leaders, whether they're business leaders or just social leaders, uh, religious leaders, or leaders in the family, family leaders. It makes a difference as to whether they are competent or whether they are incompetent, and it makes all the greater difference when you're going through a, a, a crisis. And, and today, think about the significant importance of, of leaders today telling you when you can go to work, when you can't go to work, where you can go, where you can't go, and what have you. They have taken on enormous power, which is, is necessary during a crisis. I'm not arguing with that. Somebody needs to be making decision, the decisions, but it's important. it's important that those leaders making those kind of decisions are competent and godly and not incompetent and ungodly. So now is an important time for us to focus on leadership. Now, let, let me tell you why it should matter, because I know a lot of people have never listened to a message on leadership, thought, I'm not a leader, it doesn't matter. Let me give you three reasons why it matters. If you're a senior saint, if you're a widow, a widower, a teenager, it, it doesn't matter. Here's three reasons why, why it should matter. One, it's important to discern between good leaders and bad leaders because the choice is ours in America. It is important to know what constitutes good leadership and poor leadership, especially in a democracy where we, the people, elect them. We need to be able to spot a good leader. We need to be able to spot a poor leader. Number two, it's, Im it's important to know good leadership from bad leadership, competent from incompetent, uh, in order to be a good and effective leader. And everybody influences other people, so to a certain degree, all of us are leaders, especially moms, especially dads. Uh, if you run a business, if you have any kind of influence in the community, it's important to understand what it means to be a good and effective leader. And number three, and maybe the most important reason why this message should matter to you and you should listen to the very end, is because the Bible stresses the importance of leadership. And it reveals to us the consequences of good leadership and bad leadership in your Bibles. You have your Bibles with you? I hope you have them with you during, during this time. In Proverbs 29, verse number 2, listen to this. When the righteous are in authority, in other words, a leadership role, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Do I have to say anything else to get your attention tonight? Because in this country, for the most part, we choose our leaders. And it's very important that we choose the right leaders. 
Let me read that to you again. That's straight from Scripture, Proverbs 29, 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked, wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Yeah, you need to pay attention to leaders. You need to know what a good leader is and what a poor leader is. Matthew Henry, a preacher from yesteryear, wrote a commentary, I think pretty much on the whole Bible, said this. Concerning that verse, Matthew Henry gives us this insight. The people will have cause to rejoice or mourn according as their rulers are righteous or wicked. For if the righteous be in authority, sin will be punished and restrained. Religion and virtue will be supported and kept in reputation. But if the wicked get power in their hands, wickedness will abound. Religion and religious people will be persecuted. And so the ends of government will be perverted. Boy, those are meaningful and insightful words right there. So let's kind of do what they did with Sharon at the bank. Let's not look at uh, bad leaders necessarily tonight. Uh, like she used to, they used to show her, this is what a, uh, a good uh, dollar bill looks like. And you compare everything to the good one. Tonight, let's look at what a good leader looks like. And we could turn to many people in the Bible. But one of the ones, when I go to seminars and I hear things on leadership, one of the books of the Bible they turn to most often, you can usually count on it 95% of the time, is the book of Nehemiah and Nehemiah himself. <clears throat> and you know the story. Nehemiah was away from Jerusalem. The walls were broken down. Word gets to him. He is broken hearted that the walls of the city are broken down. It's unsafe. It's a reproach on God. And he is stirred. So his king sends him back to Jerusalem. And you're going to see demonstrated here seven qualities of a competent crisis leader. Seven qualities that we need to look for in our leaders when we vote for them, that we ought to demonstrate ourselves around the home and in our community, and that we ought to also be training up in our children. Seven qualities of competent leadership as found in Nehemiah. We'll go through them quickly. We're in Nehemiah chapter 2. Number one, seven of them. In a crisis, an effective leader takes the time to get an accurate assessment of the problem. The key word I use there is he's calm. He is calm. I, I don't know that I'm going to read all. i got all the verses here, but I, we've been having problems at the 45, 50-minute mark, so I'm kind of rushing this along. In a crisis, an effective leader takes the time to get an accurate assessment of the problem. I will read you these two verses. When Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put on my heart to rebuild the wall, neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down. And a crisis, an effective leader takes time. He's getting an accurate assessment of the problem. He's not flying off the handle. He is not angry. He is not an emotional misfit. He is calm, cool, and collected. And in a crisis, you want that from your leader. Number two, in a crisis, a leader is honest with the people he leads. So the key word there, the first word was calm. Next, you want a leader that is honest. You want to shoot straight. You don't want to scare people, but you want to be honest. Verse number 17. Then said I unto them, the people, ye see the distress that we are in. And that's another point. He's, he's, 
He's identifying with the people. He didn't say what that you're in. He said that we're in. That's a great point right there. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And a crisis, a leader is honest with the people he leads. And, you know, he's shooting straight with them. Yeah, this is a mess. This, this is not good. He, had, he correctly identifies the problem. Number three, in a crisis, a leader motivates and encourages the people to address the problem. The key word there is optimistic. In a crisis, a leader motivates and encourages the people to address the problem. I, I, I have been so outdone watching leaders throw other leaders under the bus and blame other people. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear answers. I want to hear solutions. You can go back later and find out who went wrong where. But right now, that serves no problem. Tell me what you're going to do now. Encourage me that it can be done. Who am I talking about? Well, you pick whoever you want. To, you fill in the blank on that one. In a crisis, a leader motivates and encourages the people to address the problem. He's optimistic. At the end of verse number 17, he says, Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. He's optimistic. He's casting a vision there is another way you could put that. Number four, in a crisis, an effective leader will deal with critics in a firm and uncompromising manner. The key word there is resolute. The people joined in behind him. The people, it says, had a mind to work, but not everybody. Listen to this. And listen to how this man deals. He doesn't try to coddle them. He doesn't try to appease them. He doesn't try to compromise with them. This was God's man for the moment. He knew that God had chosen him for this job. Listen to this. But when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? They're making fun of Nehemiah and his followers. Now, listen to what Nehemiah tells these critics. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But listen to this. He doesn't compromise with these guys. There are some people you cannot compromise with. And, and leaders understand who those people are. And these are three of them. For he says, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, we're going to do what we're going to do. And he said he, he wasn't trying to appease them. I, I don't think he's mean here, but he's not going to be distracted. Later on, they're going, to, they're, they're going to make several attempts to distract him. And he's saying, no, I've got a great work to do here. I, I am not going to be distracted. And Nehemiah is showing us what a crisis leader does. Verse number 5 gets even better. In a crisis, an effective leader solves problems in a decisive, in a decisive way to maintain unity and focus. The key word I say there is honorable. He says there was a great cry of the people and their wives against their brethren, the Jews. What's happening? In the middle of this project of rebuilding the walls, uh, some of the people were in dire straits. They made loans from other, their brothers from other Jews and they were taking advantage of them and it led to hard feelings. They're charging exorbitant interest and what have you. And listen to what Nehemiah said. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now, 
Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as our children. Let me read on. Let me get. Oh, and here's what Nehemiah says. And I was very angry when I heard their cry in these words. And he's not condemned there for being angry. I think there is a time when a leader is right to have a righteous indignation. He shouldn't be out of control. Shouldn't be flying off the handle. But there's times when a leader, whether it's a pastor or somebody, there's, there's times when there is a place for a righteous indignation as I read Nehemiah. He said, Then I consulted with myself and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers. And he corrected them. He dealt with the problem. He fixed the problem. He's an honorable man. He's doing the right thing. He didn't take some money from under the table from the people that were uh, lending the money at the exorbitant price. He didn't have his hand out. He wasn't uh, giving special deals to other people, you know, and you, you pad my pocket. No, he did the right thing. People need a leader that they can respect, and that leader has to have honor. He has to have virtue. Number six, two more. In a crisis, an effective leader puts the needs and well-being of others first. He's unselfish. He's not in it for himself. In Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 16 through 19, I'm not going to read it all, but Nehemiah explains that. He said, look, he said, we haven't, we haven't gained any advantage from, I haven't gained any advantage from being here. We've, we, we've taken just what we needed to eat and to get the job done. He said, that, that is all I have done. And the right kind of people find that kind of unselfish spirit inspiring. I read this quote from Zig Ziglar. I've watched a couple Zig Ziglar videos uh, while I've been at home. He says, the most important persuasion tool you have in your entire arsenal is integrity. The most per persuasive, important tool you have in your entire arsenal is integrity. Lost people use intimidation. Lost people use um, threats. Uh, people may respond to that because they have to, but when they have a leader with integrity, they respond to that because they want to. And those kind of people will get a whole lot more done. So number seven, in a crisis, an effective leader celebrates the victories. He's caring. And Nehemiah, which is the... Uh, Tershabite and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This is once the wall was completed in record time. This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And he said, No. Then I said, Thine, Then said he unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He knew when it was time to celebrate. He led the people to celebration. And that's what good leaders do in a crisis. Things you don't see Nehemiah doing. You don't see him blaming others. You don't see him throwing people under the bus. You don't see him getting emotional and distraught. You don't see him being negative. It can't be done. You don't see him being dictatorial. He is encouraging. He's motivating people. He tells them, he's like, God is with me. We can do this. And you don't see him being petty. So what are characteristics we're looking for in our leaders today, whether in a Boy Scout troop or the governor or the president or local officials, people that are calm, 
honest, optimistic, resolute, honorable, unselfish, and caring. Those are the qualities that God blesses. That's important because in this country, we still get to vote for our leaders. It's important because just about all of us are leading in some capacity, even if it's just at the family level. And remember, the Bible gives us great insight as to the competent and incompetent leaders. And this should give greater meaning to the idea that everything rises and falls on leadership. So let me close with this. We need to pray for our leaders. The leaders of our state, our governor, the leaders of our nation, our, our president, our vice president, the leaders in science, the, the doctors, we need to pray for them. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Uh, Burke, yeah, uh, they're, they're exerting great leadership, great influence now. We can, we can have our concerns, we can have our complaints, but I need to be praying for our local officials. I need to be praying for our governor. I need to be praying for our state leaders. I need to be praying for the U.S. Senate, U.S. House of Representatives. They're making important decisions as leaders that's going to affect all of us. I need to be praying for our president, for our vice president. Listen to 1 Timothy. We're closing. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1. I exhort... I plead, I compel you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, really all of those are prayers, and giving of thanks be made for all men, more specifically, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And isn't that what we want more than ever right now? A quiet and peaceable life. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Lord and Savior. What's the answer to a quiet and peaceable life? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all men. For kings and for all that are in authority. I'll close with this, a quote. You know how I like quotes. This is from another Bible scholar of yesteryear that wrote a whole lot of commentaries on the Bible, Albert Barnes. <clears throat> Concerning these verses that we pray for those in authority, he said this, The meaning here is that while all people should be the subjects of prayer, those should be particularly remembered before the throne of grace, who are in authority. The reason is that so much depends on their character and plans, that the security of life, liberty, and property depends so much on them. God has power to influence their hearts and to incline them to what is just and equal, and hence we should pray that a divine influence may descend upon them. The salvation of a king is of itself of no more importance than that of a peasant or a slave, but the welfare of thousands may depend on him. And hence he should be made the special subject of prayer. He goes on to say, all that are in authority 
This does not necessarily mean those who hold office only, but refers to any of elevated rank. And he concludes by saying, The happiness of all who are under the control depends greatly on them, and hence we should pray for them that they may be converted people and inclined to do that which is right. We may have our complaints, but if we don't pray ten minutes for every one minute of complaining, we're really not accomplishing anything. Crisis leadership is important. The good news is, let's end with good news, God wants us to pray for them, and the implication in that command by itself is that it'll be effective. We need to pray. I've been praying for our officials daily, and I am committed to it now more than ever, and I hope you'll join me in that. We understand the importance of their roles now, local, state, national. Let's commit as a church family to spending a significant amount of time in prayer. I'm telling you, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. I think more of us are closer to that now than ever before. Constantly come into our hearts and minds. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.